from the corner of 16th and Peachtree Street, right next to the High Museum of Art in Midtown Atlanta, welcome to the First Presbyterian Church. I'm Senior Pastor Tony Sundermeyer, and I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. And I would invite you now to join us in the worship of God. Before our worship begins, I'd like to share with all of our members and friends a little bit about our financial situation. Regrettably, our projection for year-end reveals a deficit of $420,000 on our $5.7 million budget. While we've worked diligently to manage our resources and expenses, giving in 2022 and 2023 have fallen below expectations. I assure you that our trustees, session, and financial team have thoroughly explored all options to mitigate this situation. If we are unable to bridge this financial gap, difficult decisions will need to be made. This could include budget cuts, which might impact various aspects of our ministry, including a potential reduction in personnel for the year 2024. However, we believe that as a community bound by faith and shared values, we have the ability to overcome this challenge. And so I call upon each member and friend of First Pres to consider how you might be able to contribute to our financial strength. If you've already given in 2023 and have the capacity to go the second mile, please give more. If you've not given in 2023, please give today. You can mail a check, give by credit card, uh, give by stock transfer, or use the QR code that will be on the screen in just a few moments. Our congregation has had a successful capital campaign, securing pledges of over $36 million. Our ministries with children and youth are bursting at the seams. Our worship attendance, both online and in person, are strong. Our community ministries continue to serve our most vulnerable neighbors and friends with compassion and great care. Our staff is strong, gifted, and committed to serving the mission of the church. My hope is that our giving will increase uh, to support the strength of our ministry in this season of our life together. We will continue to communicate openly about our financial progress and any developments that we have as we move forward. Please keep our congregation, our leaders, and our shared mission in your prayers. If you have any questions or concerns, please do not hesitate to reach out to me. And thank you for tuning in to this week's broadcast. We'll hear now what the psalmist has to tell us. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second scripture is from the Gospel of John, chapter 10, and I'll be starting in verse 9. Continue to hear God's word, even for you and for me today. Jesus says, I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. 
I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, as we listen for God's word to us from Psalm 24 and from John chapter 10, I would like to invite us to consider this profound theme of entering into God's presence. And it's guided this morning from our hymn and these two scripture passages by the metaphor of gates. In both scripture passages, in Psalm 24, the people of Israel are gathering together to enter the temple for worship. In the John passage, there's a multitude of sheep gathered together with the shepherd at the gate, entering in to God's presence as communities of faith. In our Advent sermon series called Repeat the Sounding Joy, we're singing and we're reflecting on hymns that help us prepare for the coming of Christ. This morning's hymn, Lift Up Your Heads, Ye Mighty Gates, and we just heard again this beautiful anthem singing this over us. It was written by George Weisel in the 1600s. And for those of you that were here last week, you remember uh, last week's hymn, Rejoice, Rejoice Believers, written shortly after this one, all around the Thirty Years' War. This hymn was then translated into English by a woman named Catherine Winkworth in the 1800s. So since the 1800s, we've been singing this hymn also in English. The hymn is based on Psalm 24, and it invites us to lift up our heads, not just physically, but spiritually and symbolically. We open the gates of our hearts to welcome the King of glory. And the hymn sets this tone for our reflections today, emphasizing the importance of experiencing God's presence within this sacred act of worship together. So let us pray. Dear Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, there are a few questions that have been uh, running around in my brain for these past couple weeks as I've been preparing our scripture passages and looking at the hymn this week. And the questions are these. Why do we come to church? Why do some of us make this community of faith a central part of our very lives? 
Why is the ritual and practice of worship, the faith formation that we participate in throughout the week, the service together that we use our gifts and our resources to serve others, why are these all at the heart of how many of us understand our calls to follow Jesus? So as I've been soaking in these two scripture passages and our hymn for the second Sunday of Advent, these are questions that kept coming up and that I kept receiving answers to. We come to church, we enter into God's presence in a set-apart way as a local body for worship because God meets us here. We're invited into God's presence as this local body of Christ in a unique and set-apart way. We meet God and we seek to follow God. In both of our texts this morning, we're invited together into God's presence. Whether we picture the people of Israel processing in up to the gates and then into the temple together to worship God, or we picture ourselves as a lovely flock of sheep all together with the shepherd to enter the gate. We're invited into God's presence in community. As we worship together, we remember and learn and experience more of who God is. That helps us to open our hearts, like the hymn also sings about, to be lifted up and to remember and to learn more about who God has created and invited us to be. Here again, verse 2 from our hymn, fling wide the portals of your heart. Make it a temple set apart. The gates that are sung about in the hymn are a metaphor for the portals of our hearts. These acts of worship and faith and service are for each one of us individually as well as communally. So you may remember earlier this fall, we did this two-part sermon series where Tony preached on both an imminent and transcendent God, these two natures of our God who is on the one hand personal and intimate, knows every hair on our head, loves us just as we are, knows us better than we know ourselves, the imminent God, and also the transcendent God who is beyond our comprehension. We ask the questions, we ask the whys, we ask the how is this happening beyond our imagination, comprehension, um, and understanding. And so in a similar way, as we hold this both and of the imminent and transcendent God together, I'd like to invite us this morning to hold together, um, as we see in Psalm 24, in our hymn and in John 10, that we have both a personal faith and a communal faith. And the way that we receive and practice those um, impact our lives deeply. We go to church, because we are the church, right? In order to worship God and to draw closer to God so we can, in our own lives, follow God more faithfully. But we also go to church because we are the church. It's our community, each other here, that shapes us and supports us and challenges us, that helps us to do more together with all of the different gifts and personalities and resources and ideas and imagination to do so much more together than we could on our own or in our own little networks or small circles. 
with people that often tend to be more like us, this precious gift in the church communal. The church is our transformative community as we seek to love and follow God together. Psalm 24 is a psalm known by Bible scholars as an entrance liturgy for the people of Israel. So as we spoke about, the people would gather together, they would sing Psalm 24 as they would enter into the gates and then the temple to worship God. As a community, we gather together and we look to God. We ask for God to be at work among us. We ask for God to lead us as the first Presbyterian Church of Atlanta. I was thinking about this entrance liturgy and thinking about how when I park in the back lot or across the street, occasionally if I'm running on time, I can even walk from the church manse to get to the church. And I think about, I love seeing the other people who are coming into worship. I love saying, oh, hi, oh, good to see you. How are you doing? And entering in to worship together. I love throughout the week coming into this space and all that happens throughout the week in this building and walking in with staff and members and friends as they come to do a Bible study, to learn more, to grow in their faith, to serve others, and to support one another. Friends, this is an essential truth that I have come to know more and more the longer that I get to live, is that we need each other as the local church. We belong together. Many of us begin with our biological families when we think about what, what we commit to and what we need, and that is also precious and holy. And yet, as we understand ourselves as children of God and followers of Jesus Christ, there's an essential truth in knowing that the local church is a gift that God has given us for our life journey together. Like the people of Israel gathering to enter the temple, and like the local herd of sheep gathering to enter the gate, the Holy Spirit meets us in a unique and set-apart way, in miraculous ways, to do miraculous work for the sake of God's kingdom. When I think of our church, I am so grateful because in my nine and a half years here, I know that God loves me and I know that I am not alone so often because of you. I know how to follow Jesus in more faithful and just and joy-filled ways because of you, the witness that you bear, the challenges you navigate, the ways you live out your passion and calling to serve others in the way of Christ. Even the ways that we work through tough issues. We sometimes ask each other for forgiveness. We repair relationships when needed. All of this happens within a dynamic and diverse congregation seeking to follow Jesus. Well, two weeks ago, in thinking about this in preparation, I thought, I experienced this personally here in this church in my own life. Personally, I was preparing for a follow-up of a 3D mammogram and an ultrasound scheduled for December 1st. It was following a routine mammogram a couple weeks ago, 
And so I had a few weeks to have to deal with this upcoming test, and I had not ever been called back for a second round of tests yet. And so all those feelings that we can feel when there's something uncertain, what's going to happen, this was not my plan, uh, I was trying to navigate those all. And in the midst of that, there is a family in our church, uh, the Wirtz family, that was having two super exciting, wonderful events in the life of their church, of their family. Fondi and Steve were celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary, and their daughter, Lucy Day, was marrying Sichi, now her husband. And Tony and I were able to witness and be a part of both of these events. So the, that week leading up to December 1st, we were with the Wirtz family a lot. And I did the premarital counseling for the couple. We got to celebrate their 50th wedding anniversary, and then we got to celebrate Lucy Day and Sichi's wedding. Steve and Fondi have been longtime members of a Sunday school class here, like for decades. And at their 50th anniversary celebration, I got to talk to all these men and women from our church who I see more clearly who Jesus is. I'm encouraged by, I get to uh, catch glimpses of what's possible when we try to follow God through all these different conversations at their event. And then Friday morning on December 1st, I went over to Piedmont Hospital for my tests and then came back midday for the wedding of Lucy Day and Sichi. And here's the part where I knew God was at work in a very particular and sacred way in the life of this local church and for my life. I knew that part of Fondi's story, which she shares freely in her life many years ago, was that she had had a face breast cancer and had young kids at the time. And so as I was holding this feeling of what my tests were going to be and what that could mean, I knew that Fondi would pray for me. And so I knew in the midst of all the wonderful celebrations of their anniversary and their daughter's wedding, and we were doing all that work, but she would also let me know she was praying for me. She was here. I could do this. We were celebrating so much, and she was also walking with me and had a deep understanding of some of the uncertainty that I felt. I knew the Holy Spirit had knit this all together, and it strengthened me. It brought me peace that was indeed beyond my understanding throughout the whole week. For me, this time, the news was good news. They ruled out what they needed to rule out. I'm back on this annual mammogram plan. Knowing how God cared for me within my church family during that time of uncertainty, that's how God works. That's what you and I get to experience. And we have our stories, and we should bear witness to those stories. And if we haven't experienced those things, dig deeper, get more involved. Because we were created to be together. Life is hard, and life is beautiful, and all of it is sacred. Each week, our church community experiences a spectrum of life events. This past week, one of our therapists at the Samaritan Counseling Center welcomed a baby girl into the world. We learned of another uh, couple in the church who's expecting a new baby. We had a couple people get a new job this week. We heard stories about new relationships, places where there has been healing and where there has been strength 
that has moved mountains that they never imagined could be moved. And many here and within our congregation are praying and trying to navigate the anxiety, the expectations, and the struggle that can be a very real part of this holiday season. We're walking with many families who have an empty seat at the table this holiday season for all different reasons. Loved ones have died, marriages have ended, brokenness and war have divided us. I had a precious conversation this week with one of the matriarchs of our church. Her family is grieving a couple deaths this year and she shared with me how her family talks about feelings in different shades of blue. So she said, you know, sometimes we talk about feeling light blue. Sometimes we talk about feeling cobalt blue. And right now, she said, we're feeling a deep, dark blue. It's been a hard time. And we had time together to, to hear where she was coming from, to hear what was happening, to listen and to pray for God's presence and comfort in this family's life. But she also continued. She said, we've also experienced healing and repaired relationships that have bro been broken for a long time, healing that's happened after the deaths of these loved ones that we never imagined could be possible. The love and connection that we have felt with some of these dear people again has been the most precious gift in these difficult days. This snapshot of a conversation is one of the most important elements of our life together, the ability to bear witness with and for one another to the joys and sorrows of life. And as a church, these gifts are born and strengthened as we enter in to God's presence with one another trusting that Jesus is our shepherd and that we, together, are this local flock of his sheep. So why do we worship? Why do we gather here together? First, we enter into communion with God, which is a deeply and profoundly personal act. And second, we also enter into relationship with one another because we need each other for this journey of faith and life. Third, and finally, we collectively catch glimpses of what it is we ought to do for one another and for God's world. We steward the gifts that we have been given to glorify God and to care for one another and to share the good news that we can multiply when we come together rather than do so alone. So together, we are renewed, we are strengthened, we are encouraged and challenged in worship and faith formation, and we're sent to be Christ's hands and feet in the world. We see this third aspect of why we worship in all that's happening here at First Press. It's why we're working so hard to open up our new community outreach building in January. It's why we're inviting everybody to come together on Martin Luther King Jr. Day to gather together and serve for the sake of our neighbors and for those who are in need. 
is why we'll gather at the temple on January 29th and 30th for a two-night class that they've invited us to attend entitled Understanding Anti-Semitism. It's why we have relaunched our global partner trips most recently to Kenya and soon to Cuba and to other countries around the world. And it's why we invest so many of our resources in pastoral care, faith formation, children, youth, college, young adult, single adult, and couples ministries. If you want to know more about these events and many more, please read our weekly e-blast. If you're not on the weekly email, reach out to any staff member and we'll help you get connected. Look at our website, talk to one another about ways to be connected. Well, in some ways, perhaps many ways, I'm preaching to the choir on this sermon because you're all here. However, I wanted just to say out of this, these texts and in our time together, worship is the central act of the Christian faith. It's what shapes us and sends us to follow Jesus into the world. This question about why I go to church and why the church is such a big part of my life has been questions in all different forms and ways that it's been asked of me since I went to college. And this past year, I celebrated my 25th college reunion, so it's been a while that I've been getting questions like this um, before I went to seminary and then, of course, um, afterwards as well. I get asked in all different ways why a local community of faith is such a central component of my life. And first of all, I wanted to just say that for some of us, there is healing that needs to happen within the church community. And there has been harm that's happened within churches. My invitation this morning is to be open to the healing. Don't give up on the gift of the church and why we gather together. But overall, it comes down to this for me. I was listening to an author and a speaker I've appreciated for some time. She was speaking this week about how we can worship and we can follow Jesus, we can celebrate Advent um, in all these other ways. When we go on walks, when we have meal times together, intentional ways when we explore and recognize God's presence in our lives throughout our day-to-day -day lives. She went on to say, however, that we don't need to gather under steeples, meaning we don't need to gather in the church, as a church. I wholeheartedly agree that worship, following Jesus, celebrating Advent, can and should permeate every part of our lives. Yet, with an equal and unwavering conviction, I also affirm that we do not fully embrace the God of Psalm 24 or Jesus' words to us in John 10 without the communal act of gathering for worship and being the church together. There's a unique power that comes when we collectively lift our heads to God in worship, allowing ourselves to be shaped, healed, and strengthened, and in turn to be sent out to love one another. 
Friends, we gather in this space to worship God together, to be shaped by God's presence and by one another. And we are sent out to share our gifts with the world. May it be so. Amen.